spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David E. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Chaminade University. Aloha and welcome to Spotlight Hawaii. I'm Yenji Denise, joined by Ryan Kalei Suji. It is Wednesday, and today, Ryan, we are delving into the world of politics. That's right. We know that this will be a big election year coming up in 2022. Some candidates have already announced their intent to run, and some have officially already filed. And one of the races that will be going on is the race for lieutenant governor. Joining us is candidate for lieutenant governor, Sherry Manor McNamara. She also leads, of course, the Hawaii Chamber of Commerce. Good morning, Cherry. Thanks so much for joining us and being here this morning. Good morning, and thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. You know, we want to just get uh, first your general thoughts. What prompted you to run and enter the world of politics? Yeah, thank you for asking that. You know, the past couple of years uh, has had a devastating impact on our small and local businesses, our mom and, uh, mom and pop shops, our, their employees, our working families. And we've seen firsthand the economic, human, emotional toll it's had. Uh, not a day has gone by where we did not get a text message, a phone call, email, you know, asking what can they do? Many of them on their last lifeline, wondering where they can get resources, wondering where they can get information. Uh, and I knew this was a pivotal time to have this fresh and new leadership as we move Hawaii forward. Uh, we are at a crossroads. It's a pivotal time for Hawaii, but it's also an opportunity to build a better Hawaii. And so that's why I decided to make this run for lieutenant governor uh, and use what my experiences and my skill sets to lieutenant governor position. You know, when we look at the folks who have announced that they are running for this position, mm -hmm. there is a wide array. But what does stand out is that there are quite a few career politicians. You, of course, are not that. Have you been considering a race uh, run for office for some time? And, and why this seat in particular? You know, I, public service has always uh, been in my blood. Uh, my um, dad's side of family, the Menor family, uh, my grandpa and grandma immigrated from the Philippines, worked. Uh, my grandpa Angelo worked in the sugarcane fields, uh, and they made home in Pahoa on the island of Hawaii. Uh, and for them, it was all about working for the community, for the greater good, supporting and helping one another. So with those values, that has always been with me in terms of serving in the public, serving for the public. Uh, but again, it was during this past couple of years where I've seen the devastating impact. My mom has a small business in Hilo and she's had it for more than 40 years. And I've seen uh, some of the darkest moments that she has gone through. She has a travel agency and her main areas and focus were cruises in Japan tours. And as you know, those two areas have not recovered. So I've seen those moments, but I know her story is unique, is not unique. Uh, and these are similar stories across the islands. And so that's why I was inspired by the grit, the passion, the determination of these local and small businesses and our people in persevering and pushing through during this time. And I wanna use my skill sets and my real life experience in moving Hawaii forward because here's an opportunity to build a better Hawaii for everyone. 
you know, there are some who say that this job requires some political background, that you should have some maybe legislative experience at least, uh, while others say that it's great to have a fresh new blood in there in government. Uh, do you see this uh, as an advantage or a, a disadvantage for yourself coming in here, not having served uh, in a political office before? I don't see that as a disadvantage. I see it as an opportunity for change, for fresh ideas, fresh perspectives, fresh leadership, creative and innovative ideas, which is what we have been doing in the real in the real world and real life experience, and not have recycled ideas and leadership as we move our state forward. Uh, with that said, I've worked with the chamber for 15 years. Uh, and one of the uh, things that we have to do is navigate the process, build relationships with legislators, uh, work with the administration, work with county governments, and work with stakeholders across the islands. Uh, so I have that experience. Uh, but on top of that, I will also bring the experience of leading an organization uh, that has helped businesses during this time to navigate the pandemic. Uh, I have helped I've led an organization uh, that has different views, different perspectives as, uh, from members, different sized businesses, different organizations. Uh, so I have that experience as well. And being not a career, not a career politician, I believe is an advantage uh, and a fresh start that Hawaii needs badly in order to move Hawaii forward. Tell us a little bit about how you see this job. The role of lieutenant governor really depends on the person who's in that seat. What kind of a lieutenant governor would you be if you were to win the office? Yeah, the lieutenant governor can play a critical and important role. Uh, one, I will definitely work shoulder to shoulder with the governor to help come up with a policy agenda. And by doing that, it's about connecting with the communities, bring that bridge builder, uh, with communities to government, restoring that trust in government, making sure we go out and listen to our people, making sure we talk with our people, not at our people, uh, making sure that we come up with solutions, collaborative solutions based on common sense uh, and common ground solutions. And so that's where I see the LG role playing a role is to one, support the governor, uh, two, work shoulder to shoulder, and then three, being that bridge builder, the connector with our communities across the islands. You know, we've had you on this show before, of course, in your role leading the Chamber of Commerce, and you have been an advocate for those businesses at times, uh, calling for the lifting of restrictions and some of the changes to some of the rulings that were initially put in place by the governor and maybe by some of the mayors that really limited government, uh, limited businesses from operating during this time. And, and you said that during those interviews that you saw firsthand, how some of these businesses were really struggling and were handcuffed because of these regulations. Overall, I wanted to get your thoughts on how you think this administration has done during this pandemic. Of course, the governor has been criticized by some and others have applauded his efforts to keep our community safe. How do you think this administration as a whole has done during this time? And if you were in that role and you were in that seat uh, in the administration, what would you maybe do differently? Yeah, you know, no one had a playbook uh, for the pandemic, obviously, uh, and we all had to um, work together and to move forward together in order to get over this. But with supporting and helping these small businesses, uh, what we have seen and noticed is the um, areas of communication uh, and working to get a collaboration. And that's where I believe the LG role can play a pivotal role. And that's what I commit to do is to ensure that we do communicate, we do collaborate, and we do convene uh, various stakeholders to come up with solutions that will that will be uh, 
more effective as well as to move our state forward. Uh, and, and again, you know, the health and safety of our people is the utmost importance. Um, and to, again, there's no playbook, but it is gonna be critical as we move forward to improve our communication and improve our connection with our communities to government. Can you tell us a little bit about your own party affiliation? Are you, uh, you know, obviously you're running as a Democrat. Have you always been a Democrat? I've been a lifelong Democrat. Again, as I mentioned earlier, my grandparents immigrated from the Philippines. I have seen the hard work uh, that they had to put in, the sacrifices, and being part of the Democratic Party is about supporting worker, working, uh, working families, uh, opportunities for all. Uh, and so, yes, I have been a lifelong Democrat. We know that this role of lieutenant governor does not have any executive power per se, but you will have a platform and a voice, obviously, in government and speaking to whoever the governor would be should you be elected. Um, I'm wondering what you think the, uh, you know, on some of the issues of things like tourism. Uh, you know, we've seen firsthand uh, a call by many in the community to scale back on tourism. And there was that call during the summer when we saw a large increase uh, of visitors coming to our shores. Uh, and yet we saw firsthand the damaging impacts of not having tourism, the effects that it had in our economy. How do you think uh, that we find this balance and, and your role as Lieutenant Governor, how you would help to navigate that? You know, one of our platforms is economic recovery and continuing to support our small businesses. Uh, and as relates to tourism, it's about managing tourism right now. Uh, we have seen that and we know Hawaii Tourism Authority is working hard on their destination management action plans that really is about community plans and uh, managing tourism, but yet sustained tourism because it is still our number one economic driver. Uh, so but what can we do to expand on that? How can we expand our economic base and yet have these different industries coexist? We have the manufacturing industry, we have a clean energy uh, industry, we have the ag, with so many industries here that somehow if we can interconnect them with our major industry, then we can build a more diverse economy and a more diverse economic base. Uh, and that's what uh, I see opportunities uh, in that area is to connect the tourism industry and how can they support our local and small businesses better. You've been in your role at the chamber for some time, so we know that you are a familiar face, but some folks might not know you in the same way they know some of the other candidates. What are some things that you'd like the public to know about you uh, as you introduce yourself in this statewide race? Well, first, I'm not a career politician, and I am coming in this new. I'm a new candidate. I know challenging but we're so I am excited about this because I know that this is an opportunity for fresh perspective fresh leadership uh, in moving Hawaii forward uh, I am from the neighbor islands I actually grew up from Hilo and that's where I know I went to Waikia High School Hilo <laughs> Union Waikia Intimate Waikia High School so I'm a proud public school graduate and I am still a Hilo girl uh, I went away for eight uh, ten years went to the continent for eight and then moved to Japan for two years uh, to work there and decided it was time to come back home. But through these experience, I still had that deep sense of Hilo values. It's about community. That has never left me. Um, you know, as they say, you can take the girl out of Hilo, but you can't take the Hilo out of the girl. And that's me. Uh, so I am a local girl, um, but I also understand uh, and have a deep sense of appreciation of our small and local businesses. And that's why we advocated so hard and uh, knew that we had to be proactive in finding solutions to keep our small business, our mom and pop shop doors open. Uh, and that's why 
I have been with the chamber for 15 years is to advocate for our local businesses. As I mentioned, my mom has a small businesses and that's 99% of our uh, local economy that employ more than 50% of our people. So we, uh, we recognize also that it's important to support our small businesses. Uh, but with that said, in the LG position, I wanna take those Gila values, the neighbor island values in connecting with the communities that are in collaborating the, with the communities to communicate with the communities. Um, because in the end, it's about working together and finding these common ground and common sense solutions. And we can only do that if we work together uh, more effectively and with fresh ideas and fresh perspectives. Well, we know that you did make your official announcement in Hilo in front of Waikia High School. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, but what role, uh, from a campaign structure-wise, what role do you think the neighbor islands will play in this campaign? Uh, oftentimes, of course, uh, a lot of emphasis is placed here on Oahu because of the overall population and the number of voters here. But uh, from a strategic standpoint, without giving too much away, obviously, uh, how important will the neighbor islands be, you think, to your campaign? Oh, absolutely critical. And again, that's because I grew up in Hilo. I understand the neighbor island um, the concerns and I understand the need for the neighbor islands voice to be in part of the solution making process. And so our strategy is simple. It's pretty much to go out into the communities across the islands and to hear to all of them and to make sure that we can come up with these collective uh, solutions together because again it's not it's Oahu but also all the islands and if we can move forward as a state then we can only build a better Hawaii for all of us here in Hawaii. Yeah and from a practical standpoint I know that you, you are a political newcomer but how do you campaign uh, given social distancing and all the requirements that you know you want to keep everybody safe but of course there's nothing like connecting face to face so how are you navigating just the, the logistics of campaigning right now well part of it in a, is social media obviously but another is to go out to the communities whether it's small groups talking story uh, listening to find out what the concerns are uh, and to, uh, to going out to various communities, as well as listening to different interests, uh, different interest groups, different organizations. And that's part of the calendar is to make sure that it's not just one segment of a population. It should be all segments. And that is, again, our simple strategy is of getting out into the communities in a very safe uh, and effective way. Uh, you know, it may be a little premature to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. A lot of people see this uh, seat as a stepping stone, uh, if you will, to one day eventually becoming governor. Many, uh, in fact, I think almost all of those who served in the lieutenant governor role, uh, except maybe one in chance to have decided to run for lieutenant governor. Uh, could you see yourself holding the top office one day? And uh, is that something that you see for yourself in the future? My focus right now is to become lieutenant governor. Uh, if something does happen or if in, in the future there is an opportunity, uh, yes, I can fulfill that position. Uh, but right now the focus is Lieutenant Governor and to help and support the governor and work shoulder to shoulder with that person. We're almost out of time, but before we let you go, we want to ask you about um, who you think would be a good running mate for you, who you'd like to serve alongside. Do you have any preference with the current candidates for governor? You know, I know all three candidates, so whoever does get elected, 
again, I will work with the governor because that's important. We That's the only way we can restore trust in government. Uh, and we need to do that. It would not be fair for the people of Hawaii, for the governor and lieutenant governor not to get along and to advance its own agenda. Uh, so that's my pledge is to ensure whoever gets elected as governor that we work with he or she in ensuring that we work for the people. And before we let you go, I wanted to allow you uh, any final thoughts or any final message out there to those who may be watching. Well, thank you for that question. Uh, you know, as a first time candidate, again, I'm not a career politician, but I have produced real life uh, results. I have real experience. I'm a proven collaborator. And that's what I pledge to do is to serve as you, Lieutenant Governor, who will serve as a convener, a collaborator, and communicator to ensure your voice is heard. Uh, again, I'm excited about this campaign. Uh, we know it's going to be challenging, but based on the support we have received so far and the momentum that we're building across the islands, uh, we are excited and we're going to work hard. And as my mom says in Japanese, uh, and she says it to us all the time since we were a little kid, uh, gambate, which means do your best. And I will definitely gambate uh, on this campaign to ensure that we will work hard for the people and have a winning campaign. Okay, Sherry Manor McNamara, thank you so much for joining us here this morning and uh, sharing more about your interests and why you're running. And uh, we hope to talk to you soon uh, again here thank on the show. Thank you for thank the you opportunity. So I appreciate it. Thank so you. Bye. Well, great to hear from Sherry. And now we're going to wrap up this race and uh, take a look at politics in the state overall with UH professor and political analyst Colin Moore. Colin, good morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. Hey, so, you know, you joined us before when Keith Amamiya was on with us, and now you've heard from Sherry. Tell us what you heard uh, in our interview there. What stands out to you about her candidacy? Well, I think Sherry Manor McNamara is a very disciplined communicator, and you saw that in this interview. I think she mentioned small business about 16 times, and, and that's going to be her brand in this race. I mean, she's coming from the chamber. We know that small businesses here in Hawaii have been devastated by this pandemic, and she's in a good position to speak for them. That really is her strength. So I think what you saw here is what you're going to see throughout the campaign. If you think small business, you're going to connect that to Sherry Manor McNamara. She did two other things, which I thought were, were quite smart. First, um, you know, when you saw in this interview, she kept mentioning that she's a Hilo girl. She brings neighbor island values. Again, I thought that was that was a very good political move here. Um, she's from a neighbor island. You know, that support isn't going to be decisive, you know, of course, because the population is here on Oahu. But those voters can make a difference, particularly in a crowded primary like this. And then finally, she's very open about being outside the political establishment. There's only one other candidate, Keith Amamiya, who can make that claim. So she's taking what could be a potential liability uh, that she's never served in the legislature or been elected to any political office and turning it into a strength. And one thing we know about local voters, although they're Democrats, um, they are very uh, suspicious of the Democratic political establishment. Um, and so I thought all three of those points, um, small business outside the establishment and being from a neighbor island, those are going to be, I think, the three um, pillars of her campaign. And she'll probably return to them again and again. When you look at the landscape of those who have already uh, mentioned that they are intending to run for office or those who have officially announced that they are planning to run, where do you think that she stands uh, in this list, uh, which has already become quite a crowded field? 
I, I think she's an underdog. I, I'm sure that that she would probably say the same thing thing herself because she doesn't have as much name recognition as people who've won island or rather ran island wide campaigns like Keith Amamiya or statewide campaigns like Jill Takuda. The other big liability, I think, or or the challenge for Sherry Manor McNamara is that she is a part of of, of business. Um, you know, she is the head of the Chamber of Commerce, and this is a Democratic primary, which means that the people who vote in this um, are likely to be more partisan. You're likely to see more progressives, more union members, people who are traditionally a little suspicious of people who come from the business world. So she's really going to have to try to convince these voters that she's a real Democrat, and, and that could be a challenge. Who do you see right now as leading in this field? <laughs> I don't think there's any clear leader. I mean, that's the thing. When you have a race that's as crowded as this with so many strong candidates, I don't think there's a clear leader. Um, I do think that there are a few candidates who have an advantage. And I would say that the three who I think are probably leading right now are um, Ikaika Anderson, um, well-known, the only Native Hawaiian candidate in this race, um, Jill Takuda, um, who has a fair bit of name recognition because she's running this race again. Um, and you know th those those are probably um, you know the, the the top two as as I see us um, moving in. But but things can things can change relatively quickly. I would put Keith Amami up there too as well um, because he has run an island wide race. One he did quite well, and of course remember he he lost to Rick Blanchardi, but he won that primary against Colleen Hanabusa. So he still has a fair bit of name recognition. I think Sylvia Luke, Sherry Manor, McNamara might have a little more work to go um, in terms of their name recognition and standing out, but it's really anyone's race. You know, when you look at this, uh, the way that things are structured here in the state of Hawaii, obviously we have a lieutenant governor's race and a governor's race and the winners will advance to the, uh, the general election together. Uh, but there was a bill in the legislature this past session that actually called to change that, that would allow the nominee for governor that is chosen by the party to then essentially choose their running rate rather than having them handcuffed to whoever makes it through the primary. Uh, not saying that, you know, in a way that this this bill was introduced as a way to kind of have the governor be able to pick who they want to work best with rather than maybe have some conflicting uh, personalities, if you will, be forced together on a ticket. Uh, do you think something like this would ever change in Hawaii and how that would change the landscape of politics here? Potentially. There are some states that do it like this. And of course, people are very familiar with it because, um, because this is how we do it um, at the national level. I, I actually think there's some virtue in the way we, we, um, we run our current system. It means that the lieutenant governor um, you know, has an independent platform. Um, they have um, their own constituency. It means, that, and we've seen this in the past, you know, the, the lieutenant governor can speak out against the governor if he or she thinks um, they're doing something wrong. So I think there are virtues to that. It, it really would change the way that the dynamic of this race. I mean, you'd certainly see people trying to to uh, to cozy up to potential leading um, candidates in, in, in the primary. Um, it, it would solve one problem, though. Um, and, you know, it's what I just presented as a virtue, which is that sometimes lieutenant governors will speak out against the governor. Um, but that can create some chaos, as we've seen in the past, too, with governors and lieutenant governors who really didn't get along. I mean, the classic example there being David Ige and Shan Satsui. Um, it would probably solve that problem if you're picking people ahead of time who you know you work well with. 
On the other hand, we have had lieutenant governors and governors who get along famously well. Uh, Brian Schatz and Neil Abercrombie were, um, you know, were very close politically and personally. Um, so it doesn't always mean that just because someone is elected separately in the primary, um, you know, they don't become close to that candidate moving forward. Let's talk a little bit about the legislative session, which will be starting pretty soon. Uh, one of the things that will be on the table uh, from all the from all indications is a move to limit the governor's emergency powers. Um, some folks across the state and including in government feel that Governor Ige had just too much authority when it comes to all of these emergency proclamations. Do you see that passing and gaining ground? Yes, I do. Um, so Hawaii is not unique here. As far as I know, every state in the nation, the legislature has proposed uh, similar bills to limit the governor's power. Um, I think there is, a, certainly we know that Speaker Psyche agrees with it. We know that uh, Republicans in the legislature agree with it. I would be shocked if there isn't some version of a bill uh, that limits the governor's emergency powers in some ways. And let's be honest, they are very extensive. Although I think Governor Ige needed those powers during this emergency, once a governor declares an emergency, it goes on for as long as the governor decides it needs to. Um, and you know, this this idea of emergency powers really was developed to deal with things like hurricanes, natural disasters. But in a pandemic situation, we're now we're, we're coming up on almost two years uh, from the first emergency proclamation. There, there probably is a need for the legislature to have the ability to trim uh, some of those back a little bit and put a little bit of pressure on the governor. I, I, I see this as a good thing. And yes, I do think a version of that bill will likely pass. Since we last spoke, uh, not much has changed in the race for governor. We both have uh, two candidates who have not officially announced yet, and one in Vicky Cayetano who has announced, of course. Uh, and there has been a few fundraisers for all the candidates involved. Uh, is there any updates that you can see or any changes that may have occurred during the last few months in this race, or are things pretty much the same? You know, we're in the quiet part of these races right now where people are still raising money. They're still trying to line up supporters, um, potential endorsements, um, independent expect, um, expenditure packs that might support them. So nothing has changed dramatically in either, certainly not in the governor's race or the lieutenant governor's race. Um, you know, uh, I think, we're, but we're nearing that period where we're gonna start to see a lot more visibility, uh, where you're gonna start to see campaign signs. Um, you know, there's, there's gonna be more efforts to, probably a little bit early for political ads, but you're gonna see some of those soon. So um, I think I'll have a very different story to tell you in a month or so um, as these campaigns really begin to build steam. Well, we are going to keep our finger on the pulse here. We've invited a lot of the candidates to join us in the months ahead, and no doubt you will be joining us for those conversations as well. We really appreciate you coming on this morning and sharing your insights about the landscape uh, as you see it, and also talking about uh, Sherry Menor McNamara's candidacy. So thank you so much for that. Pleasure to be here. Aloha, thanks. Well, great to hear from both of those folks today. Um, you know, really, I, I thought that what Colin had to say about Sherry's candidacy was really interesting, highlighting her helo roots, her outsider roots, uh, and, and really that that is what she's going to campaign on. And of course, those ties to small businesses who have been so hard hit. And she does have somewhat of an advantage um, being in the chamber and in that role. She has all of these relationships throughout the state, having represented those businesses, no doubt that will come into play.
Yeah, but you did hear some of the challenges that he also presented that will stand ahead of the Manor uh, McNamara campaign in that, uh, you know, there is uh, no real organization or history of an organization of running a statewide campaign, which takes a lot of work. And uh, he mentioned Joe Takuda, of course, having run for this uh, seat before, having that experience of having to put together a statewide campaign, uh, as well as some of the name recognitions of others like Ikaika Anderson and Keith Amamiya, who are coming off of, of course, a campaign for mayor. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see how the dynamics change through this race. Again, a crowded field right now with five candidates that have uh, announced that they are running or intend to announce that they will officially run. And who knows if there may be others that may be jumping into this race as we move forward. That's true. We've heard a long list of potential candidates, so uh, our roster of guests could increase as well. Uh, on Friday this week, we will be talking to two people who have had those top positions, uh, former Governor Neil Abercrombie and John Wahee. They will both be joining us on Friday. They want to talk about uh, Aloha Stadium redevelopment plans and why they think a sports facility should not be part of, of that redevelopment. That's right. They, we uh, have heard from both of those governors, including uh, uh, another governor, Governor Cayetano, who's joined them in this effort to propose more housing for that area of Aloha Stadium, saying that that is something that the state desperately needs and that the money should not be spent on a entertainment uh, and a stadium in that area. And so we wanted to hear from them, get an update on what they also have been up to. Uh, both of these uh, individuals have been very active in the party, of course, and in their careers beyond their role as governor of the state of Hawaii. Uh, and right now using it to advocate for something they believe is better for the state moving forward, especially when it comes to that area and that parcel of land out there uh, in central Oahu. And we'll also be hearing uh, more specifically about the plans for Aloha Stadium a little bit later next month. Is, oh, excuse me, later this month as well. It's December 1st already. That's right. That's right. We have a full guest list and you can see that all on the paper's website. Uh, check out who we'll be having on. So we'll join you right back here on Friday with Governor Neil Abercrombie and former Governor John Wahee. Until then, have a great rest of your week. Aloha. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii was brought to you by Chaminade University.